Hi everyone, uh, welcome to uh, the Jesus Connect Leaders Series. Uh, we're nearly Easter, it's uh, nearly a year since we started these, so uh, really exciting to kind of get, get involved. We've got Neil uh, Redmond with us today, who is the uh, Director of Security uh, for PwC in Ireland. Um, really, really interesting person. He, was, he, he came on a webinar of ours about 5G and security about two weeks ago, and we really, really had to have him. So uh, Betty, my uh, my colleague, said Neil's got to come on the on the, the leaders podcast. So we've we've got him on quickly. Um, Neil has about the same experience in security as I've got in recruitment, so about twenty five years. So he's probably seen a lot of changes in it and seen it become more and more important. Um, and it's great to have him on the podcast. Obviously, the podcast and the leader series is something where we get our community together as GCS Connect and talk to leaders within our network about things that are affecting their industry, their technology, and how they see the future going forward, which I'm really, really interested to speak to Neil about today. So, hello, Neil. Hello, David. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. We were just we we're just getting excited about Easter, weren't we? So, we, a long we were. Weekend. So, yeah. Long weekend and lots of chocolate eggs. That's right. And I've actually got, yeah, that's right, lots of chocolate eggs and I've actually got the, the week off. So I think this will be the first time I've had a week off since lockdown properly. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to my holiday in my back garden. So, yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> the sunny south pastures, I know myself. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that's right. We're looking forward yeah. to it. a weekend off to literally switch off the laptop and switch off the phone. Exactly. And just to kind of time us, like in, if you're listening to this in a few years' time, we are the lockdown supposedly is finishing and vaccinations are rolling out so i think the world is quite excited at the moment that maybe we might be out of this uh this covid you know situation fiasco so so great so neil just want to just give us a quick introduction to yourself your background you know what your role includes at the moment i know you've been in it for three months so you know how, how that's working out for you so far yeah i will indeed David, thanks very much, first of all, for having me on the Leader Series. I've listened to quite a few of the podcasts. They are really interesting, so interesting. quite honoured to be on here today. Yeah. Um, my background with PwC, I'm the Director of Cybersecurity at the moment in, in Dublin. I work with a, with a, a large team of really skilled individuals. Um, I'm in charge of the kind of GRC area, which is governance, risk and compliance, and also heavily involved in TMT, which would be uh, media technology and telecoms. So I would lead out in the likes of telecoms and 5G, and that's how we've got connected. So my role would normally be um, to work with our clients to identify any issues they may have, to identify solutions for those issues, and then to put plans in place to, to remediate the solution um, and problems, and then also to help them plan for the future as well. So in terms of the role itself at the moment, because we're in such a dynamic environment with COVID, um, mm -hmm. I would doubt maybe even three years ago, people thought we'd all be working from home, fully reliant yeah. on digital, fully reliant more or less on the cloud, that everything we did was based on technology that up to a number of years ago, simply science fiction. Um, and I suppose from, from my journey to where I am today, when I first commenced working many, many years ago, um, it was a different network back then. Literally, we had no mobile phones as such in the, in the world. Um, mm. Probably 1G was kicking off, 2G was kicking off. We had the old analog devices, like the old big Motorola StarTex that were as big as a brick to your ears. Classic, you used to classic see. phones. The yeah. classic <laughs> phones, you see the city traders going around them with the big briefcase. Yeah. And the only way you could you could hack one of them was by literally stealing the thing off the fella from his car. Um, yeah, but we've gone more sophisticated to where we have phones today that are as, as big as your thumb and have more power in them than 
the rocket ships that went to the moon back in 1969. Mm. So we've come on a long way since there. So my roles have, I'd say they've kind of mirrored security and technology as it's migrated to be ever present in our lives. Um, I've worked with Huawei as the cybersecurity officer in Ireland. Previous to that, I worked in Deloitte and cybersecurity. I've worked in enforcement in telecoms and security as well, as well as being a product manager and a product engineer in telecoms. So I, I've kind of seen telecoms and security from its embryonic stages to where it is today, where it's it's a core feature of our daily lives, and um, to a point where the European Union and the British government are quite keen on telecom security being the bedrock of the economy going mm. forward for the next number of years. So we have the telecom security requirements, for example, and the 5G toolbox underpinning all investments in 5G technology and corporate governance really over the next number of years. If you don't understand your security and your risk, how can you possibly manage a business? So it's I've seen a huge turnaround in how security has become from simply a back office function to being mm. front and centre in the boardroom with the likes of CISOs having a much wider role and bigger voice at the boardroom table than they would have done previously. Yeah, and that's definitely for myself. I've seen that, you know, as a recruiter, you know, it's it's something that has, has grown over the years from, and there's always been, you know, there's always been people that have been trying to get into your network or your corporate systems or hackers, but now it's 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 such a, a central part of what we do and how we transfer knowledge that you have to be you have to be aware everywhere, don't you? You do, I absolutely. If you even think like the mobile phone I have in front of me here at the moment, the amount of data that's contained in that phone is substantially more than, as I said before, the ships that went to the moon. Um, you have all my banking details on it, if I use a banking app, which I don't at the moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, all my emails are on it, all my contact details are on it. My two-factor authentication, my iris scan is on the phone, my fingerprints are on the phone. It's all contained in that particular device. So where we were a number of years ago using, this, say, a StarTech as a device to contact somebody through a phone call, not even an SMS, for example, has now morphed into a device that we're solely reliant upon. It's like a fifth appendage. Very few mm-hmm. people can put down a mobile phone. And on the, the flip side of that coin, if you were to have a loss of the mobile phone, your entire life is disrupted. So security becomes a key factor then with technology. And the more we kind of align to technology, the more security becomes a key component of ensuring that the technology is safe to work for us and that we're aware of the risks. For I mean, if we all have social media accounts, even as, as kids today in school, what they say today will have a knock-on effect down the road. And social yeah. media seems to be aware of that as well. It's just an interesting question for me because whenever I do have these really interesting conversations with security people, is it is it as 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 bad like you know you talk about being hacked all the time everywhere from state sponsored organisations to you know bedroom hackers? Is it really that bad for for a lay person like me? Should I be scared of it? I suppose. At an individual level, not necessarily. I mean, there are risks for everything. I think the likes of phishing and phishing, where people are emailing you to look for your details or send you a text to try and scam you to give information. Yeah. Some of them can be quite sophisticated and they're run by sophisticated gangs. It's traditional fraud, but it's migrated to a new platform. So if you're aware of what's occurring, then you can defend against it yourself. And also yeah. never never look a gift horse in the mouth. If it looks too good to be true, then it isn't good. Yeah. Um, so in, in that respect, I think from an individual perspective, the cost of 
attacking you, for example, just aren't worth the benefits that the, the fraudster yeah. would get. I mean, if you're going to do something like um, SIM swap fraud, which probably most pernicious of all the frauds at the moment, where they take your SIM card, clone it on your device, and then empty your bank account. Um, mm. That's probably the most pernicious of all the frauds. It's quite rare in, in a way, but it does occur. What we're seeing a massive increase in is ransomware during COVID-19 because yeah, yeah. companies themselves are heavily reliant, as I said, on the cloud and on remote working. So if you can't physically work with your files in a remote environment, you can't trade. So, so they'll, they'll, see, they'll withhold access to your cloud. To, yeah. Exactly, yes. So I, I see that as a, a bigger risk compared to, say, your, your phone being hacked, for want of a better word. It's more to do with the, the company being held to ransom. So you yeah. will have a, a hack via Trojan into your network or, or a random access Trojan, remote access Trojan, sorry. But I don't see why they want to attack David Bloxer, for example. They may yeah. want to go after the company. Yes. You'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. you be collateral damage to that attack. But yeah. it's the actual company itself they normally go after because, well, they can afford 30 Bitcoins. I doubt you could afford 30 Bitcoins to retrieve your yeah. data. And yeah, the hassle they'll have to, to, to go after you, it's just not worth it. Yeah, and no, that is very, very interesting. And, and, and we talk about significant business challenges for us and yourself as a leader, I guess that links into leaders and the challenges that they would that they would have with security but what have been your business challenges has it been to to get other leaders as concerned and as alert to security as as you are if you look at any role in any organization where i've worked previously people have their specific apis and the kpi is to sell x amount of a product or to have x amount of coverage in a specific time or to enforce this particular piece of legislation. In terms yeah. of security, as I said previously, it's a back office function. No, originally it was, and it's a cost. And if I'm trying to make a sale, that's a cost that's under, that's reducing my margin. So do I yeah. really want to get involved with that? The way I was pitched to the other leaders was security is an enabler to help your products to make higher margin and increase yeah. your revenue and your, and your cost of sales should reduce with a good security product in place. So if you're selling to somebody, I've always, in telcos, would say it's a differentiator yeah. to the other companies because if we understand the security posture of our product and the risk associated with that, if you can bake that in at the initial stages of the product design and development, and when you go to market, you can guarantee that you have a, a sufficient security embedded in. From a leadership perspective, the other leaders will then say, well, security actually helps me. Yeah, to either get the sale or to you know communicate with my my clients to say actually we're aware that this is a risk but we've taken that risk on board i think traditionally it was simply security was you put a lock on a on a, in a server room and that was your security and you walked away that's right. and if someone took a sledgehammer to it well that's just life but i think we're more i think a lot of leaders nowadays do see security as being a bigger part of their, their gambit um, I think from security leaders' perspective, it does make our lives a slightly easier once we understand the business dynamic as well and how do you communicate security to a business person or a business leader. I think the old way of doing it to say, it is a, if you don't do it, you're going to lose the business. It's the kind of the panicky way of you would explain wouldn't be reciprocated or acknowledged. You have to understand, speak at a business level to get people who run businesses to understand what the actual financial impact of security is, both good and bad. Yeah, so it's like we've said so many times in these leader series, it's about communication, isn't it? You know, communication is 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 so important. So do you feel that, that by, you know, communicating this in a positive business benefit way, that's really helped you? 
Yes, I, I think I look at communication in two ways. First of all, explaining what security does mm. in a way that security works, but also in the business benefit way and bringing the leaders along with you. So it's, it's stakeholder management, like in any business at this stage. Yeah. Security is part of the business. It's It can be seen as a cost or it can be seen as a benefit. It depends on your perspective and how yeah. you actually bake that into your product or you bake that into your solution. Mm. When you explain something to somebody, if you understand their mindset and what they want out of it, I find that having that clear level of communications does help you. For example, um, I had, I've had clients previously who worked in transportation. Transportation can be a fairly low margin business at times. Mm. But if you can explain to them how security can help to maintain the margin, and the, the, the payback over a number of years is going to make them probably more competitive in a marketplace that perhaps they wouldn't have even considered previously. Um, even to go digital, where they would be paper-based, you've shown them that that brings a level of efficiency, nothing to do with security, but it brings an efficiency as well into their organization that perhaps they wouldn't have considered. But by doing it that way, they manage both security and their efficiency, and it can give a bit of service down to their client base people will understand that because it comes down to what they really want in the, in the long term is to be more profitable. Mm. And it's also, um, you know, as a leader, you're very much, um, you're very much about your brand, right? And, and this yes. can have real brand damage, can't it? You know, if you get a major hack or lose lots of someone's data, I mean, obviously there's fines now around GDPR, but if, if you lose people's data, that's probably the worst thing you can do now with regards to your brand, isn't it? It is. Yes. If you look at, companies that have had an impact over the last number of years and even when we're doing advice to a client today the biggest issue isn't financial loss it's reputational damage yeah the immediate yeah. reputational damage and we the way we always say to the company is if you were to lose someone's data that's something that's really relevant and personal to them it's unlikely they want to do business with you again because first yeah. of all they don't trust you your brand is damaged from a level of trust and if someone doesn't trust a business they'll never do business with them in the future if they feel you can't manage their their data, which is very precious to them, why would they think that your product is fit for purpose for their needs? If, you, if yep, you're if that kind of lax with the data security, well, why haven't you been lax with your product development? Why haven't you been lax with, say, the supply chain? Why do I? Why would I make the assumption that everything is, is perfect, as I would That's hope right. it would be, when you haven't looked like that to what I feel is the most precious thing to me, which is my personal data? So reputational damage is the issue. I think there was a statistic there on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where they said, one person's lax data management has this effect and that they worked out within two or three years a company could go out of business because the loss of sales would ramp up to such a point yeah. where it becomes unfeasible to actually stay in business from one data breach. That's not even looking at the fines that are applied or the regulatory yeah. impact or the assessments that need to be carried out from either the law enforcement authorities or from the regulatory authorities. That's yeah. completely separate. It's the fact that once you begin to nibble away at the trust, it never comes back. Or no, that's if it does, right. it's extremely difficult to, to get it back or very costly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and this is something that's entirely new for businesses, isn't it? You know, there's the, the, the importance of data now driving business, as it were, means that these are things that you have to protect with, with the life of your business, really, don't you? Well, that's it. If you're looking at a lot of businesses today that are looking at, say, 5G as a technology, it's a lovely technology, but you need to understand it. So if you want to put a 5G SIM into an automobile, for example, to have autonomous driving, how do you know the vehicle is going to do what the person wants it to do, that it won't be hacked by a third party and the brakes are switched off or the ignition yeah. switched off on the motorway? It's stuff that's not within your control that you need to be aware of as well, because that affects people's trust in you and your brand. 
Mm. And that actually is not even just brand reputation. That's actually technology reputational. You know, you talk about driverless, driverless cars, you know, that yes. happens. People think, well, I won't, I won't I'm not even going to go not with Tesla. I won't go with any driverless cars, you know. Exactly. Um, if you look done. at the, the big brands, <laughs> exactly. I mean, at the moment, the whole focus of a lot of the governments is to have most people drive electric vehicles within the next, say, 10 years. And a lot of these electric vehicles will have autonomous packages built into them yeah. from Mercedes, from Volkswagen, or from Tesla. So the whole market is predicated on the fact that we have a trust in these vehicles. Mm. We have a trust in this technology. It's kind of implied trust at this stage. Um, but if something were to go wrong, the trust can easily diminish. And as you say, people will hop back into their petrol cars because yeah, they don't right. control that. Yeah. to go back to your manual car because I know it's a clutch that I can control as the clutch. Whereas if I have an automated clutch, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Did you, I, interestingly, and, and not very business related thing, I saw that there was a, a Volkswagen, it was a read an article which they, it got me. They said Volkswagen was going to change their um, name to Volkswagen because they were change. going electric. And then I saw something later, like that was an April 1st, April Fool's. And I was like, oh, good one. Because I actually got it. I was actually, yeah, okay, that sounds like a really good idea. So I don't know if you we read actually that. discussed that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of going, Volkswagen, yeah, it, has, it does have a ring to it. But why would yeah. you change the name to, from Volkswagen to Volkswagen? And there's all these articles coming out in the paper saying, no, it's, no, it's actually happening. It's happening. It's going to be Volkswagen. Yeah. We're thinking, well, it's clever enough because you don't have to change the logo. I yeah, that's right. It's all the same. It's great. It's a great idea. Maybe they will actually do it now. The April Fools is actually they are going to do it now. So yeah, no, exactly, I've yeah. actually had a conversation with my wife. So yeah, I think that's quite a good idea. You know, it's, it's moving forward. But yeah, they 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 had us with that one. Both of us, Neil, clever people. Exactly. You know? yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So for yourself now, I mean, it's funny when you whenever you speak about security, it, it does like you just said. You kind of put it into the positive mind frame, but it does have that kind of doomsday scenario sometimes doesn't it like these these are bad things that can happen so yeah you know for yourself obviously a doomsday scenario is maybe kind of covid and you know working within this kind of remote environment and you know doing your work in a different way how, how has that affected one you know how you've worked as a leader but also as in your consultancy phase how has you worked as a consultant with your clients has it, has it had much effect on the way you've worked um, PwC is a digital firm, so the decision made a number of years ago to go digital, not necessarily because of COVID, but because we are a business that works with multiple clients across the, the globe. Mm. And rather than be located in a single office location in each country or multiple office locations, our clients aren't in our city, for example. They're in different mm. cities in different countries. So to be a digital firm, it makes things slightly easier in terms of COVID because we would use um, cloud-based services for everything we would do. For example, like my, my laptop at the moment, I have nothing on my C drive, just the operating system. Everything else yeah. is in the cloud. So if this machine were to be lost, for example, whilst it's an inconvenience, there's nothing on it, there's no data on it whatsoever. It's it's basically, it's a terminal that can be dumped for want of a better word. All the data is in the cloud in a secure location, locked in a vault. So unless mm -hmm. I give my details and credentials, no one else can get that information and in the yeah. anywhere. So I think from that respect, the firm made a decision a number of years ago to go digital. In terms of the worst case scenario for COVID, I think if you weren't prepared, it's a bad case, absolutely. But for a lot of companies, understanding that the cloud and trying to diversify your network, COVID kind of has accelerated, I think, the investment in that. Um, yeah. I think it was happening. I do know from clients it was happening, but COVID kind of gave them that big jump to, to push to actually go and do it. 
um, they had no choice. I think if you have yeah. a choice, you know, do nothing, do it or stick with where we are. People always say, stick where we are, we'll do it in incremental steps. And maybe if it hadn't been for COVID, we're probably looking at two or three years down the road where people are thinking, we'll go digital now. But most, if not everybody, has gone digital now. They've all gone to remote access, be it with Zoom, Microsoft Teams, or even Google um, Meeting, for example. Yeah. So I think in that respect, from a consultancy perspective, it hasn't been that bad because most, if not all, our clients are on digital platforms as well. So if we do an engagement, um, we have meetings like we're having at the moment. Whilst it'd be nice to be in the room to see the whites of our eyes and actually shake hands and have a cup of coffee, yeah. I think it's the social aspect is missing from the remote working and COVID at the moment. I think in terms of doing business, we haven't noticed that drop off that people would expect it. We've actually seen the initial wobble in the first six months of COVID last year has more or less been pushed aside and people say, this is the new norm now. We have to get on with it. So with the, the platforms in place, we find collaboration is actually a little bit easier because we're dealing with people now where they're in different countries different cities, yep. different physical geographic locations. So previously you would have had to work out, would you fly to them? Would they fly to you? Would you have to travel to commute, for example? Whereas now if we're having a call, we're in different countries, for example, we're having a call, not even thinking about the location. We yeah, simply- you just move quick, can't you? So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I, I have a call with you, then I'm going to jump on a call with someone in the States. I, I don't yeah. have to put in a, fly in a plane. I mean, it's it's handy in that respect. And uh, where we're sharing information because we use a similar cloud platform provider, we can share documents without having to go to an email system much more securely than previously. So yeah, I right. think in that respect, the remote working aspect is working very well to a stage where I'd suggest that a lot of companies will decide the old ways of working five days in an office probably won't return. Most it, companies it go that way. And then the offices will become more of a hub where you go to do things that you couldn't, like I said, reviews or kickoff meetings or, you know, a, a, a big client meeting or you know that, that that type of thing i think that and that's a really interesting way of, of looking at it isn't it so not so great if you own office properties in dublin or london but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but digital businesses like pwc and gcs it's not the end of the world so it's not so, the end of the world yeah one point yeah. i would make say someone who's come into a company initially or has, or has joined remotely yeah. as opposed to which you've done is, obviously in the last which months. i've done yeah you actually don't physically meet people so mm. I think in terms of the human interaction, that is missing. I think mm. that is a downside to it. Um, we are sociable beings mm. and trying to get to know people, trying to get to know someone's personality, their likes, their wants. It's all fairly well having a phone call or a Zoom. It can be quite stiff. You don't have that level of engagement or, say, looseness that you'd have sure. in person with somebody. Um, so I think that's, that's something that's going to be missing. And I do think that's why people will want to go back to an office. Yeah. Just maybe for two or three days a week. Just this, the human element. Yeah, it's funny because uh, one of my um, colleagues who started for us in Austin recently, I, I stood up when I was on the phone. And he said that was the first time I've ever seen the lower half of any uh, any of my colleagues. I've never seen my colleagues' legs. And I was like, I was lucky, <laughs> wasn't? I was usually dressed in my pants, my friend, but you know, <laughs> I had trousers on that day, so at least that was good. But no, he said that was, and um, which is true, really. You don't think about these types of things, do you? Like, you usually. You just no. see people's top half. Like, I just, yeah, I just see the top half. That's the same. Too. I've only ever seen their shoulders. I know people yeah, have their shoulders right. and their hair. That's yeah. about it. I know nothing about everything else about them. I have no, no idea how tall my people are either. Like my team, they could be small, they could be tall. I have no idea. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm I'm six foot four. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a tall guy. What about yourself now? 
Yeah, I'm six foot, so there we go. Yeah, so yeah, we, we, we're 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 towering above these 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 people. <laughs> exactly. And um, what's your what's your advice then? You know, when you're now speaking to your clients about security, what what is your real advice for them coming out of this process that they they need to be focused on, specifically around cyber? There are key areas to focus on. Given we're all moving remotely, user access becomes a key enabler for any company. If you're all using the cloud, for example, AWS, Azure, whatever it might be, your identity access management is a key factor for, for any organization at this stage. So unless you have a proper IAM solution in place that you know who to partition information to, who has access to what site, who has access to which S3 bucket, who can do this, who can do that, in terms of production and development information, what are your critical assets that you can link back to your IAM solution. That is key to me at this stage. It's key to all clients. So if you have a good IAM solution, that's the first thing. In terms of, say, your governance risk compliance as well, understand your assets and what the risk attached to the assets are. So certain what's to occur, how do you react to it in real time? A lot of, the, a lot of our clients are in regulated industries, for example. Mm-hmm. So the regulators will expect to have a plan in place and that they may audit that plan as well to say, was it fit for purpose? So because we've moved to a remote environment, the risk will increase because we're all heavily reliant on a third-party provider for over-the-top services. Whereas previously, you would have had your server maybe in your own office block in the basement, you know, reliant on a cloud provider that mm-hmm. is giving you a certain level of service, but then says to you, well, so we, you can use our, our platform, but the security of our platform is your responsibility mm. and you have to put the the exact or the correct risk management place for your company in that platform that could be shared by multiple other companies so and then you need to ensure that you know they links between the different companies on the same cloud as well so the air responsibility from physical security then goes into a cloud security or goes into digital security that's a whole different world of understanding and knowledge and nuances as well whereas beforehand if you just lock the door with the key and walk away from your server room now your server room is in the cloud spread across billions of bytes. So how do you actually ensure no one can access them? So that's mean a proper IAM solution with, it, with um, governance and risk compliance layer on top of that. And then for your devices like data loss protection is a huge issue as well. I know a lot of companies are saying they don't want people to print from their machines at home because people don't have access to a print in the office. They have a printer here at home. So if I was to print out something and it falls into my base power, my bin, for example, and goes out, in unconfidential ways to someone to pick that up. There's data there that's a value possibly to a competitor or to somebody you don't know, or to a regulator, for example, would say that's a data breach. Putting a USB key into a laptop nowadays, it's mostly frowned upon with endpoint protection. It's blocked off. If that were to happen in an office, an IT security officer would walk down to that individual, could either lock off the laptop or bring that person in for an interview and ask them what are they up to. But because we're all working from home, that's not impossible to do. So how do you control that type of a risk. That's, I think, in a remote environment, endpoint protection, data loss protection becomes much more to the forefront of people's minds in terms of security at that stage. And how to actually, rather than monitor, prevent it from occurring in the first place. Because once it occurs, it's much more difficult to, to get to that person in their home office environment. And when you um, when you talk about this, I guess it's a bit of an arms race, isn't it, between one side and the other? You know, it's a bit like the kind of you know, I guess the police and the criminals, you know, you kind of trying to stay ahead. And I know too, yep. you obviously work for kind of the government and the kind of cyber side in the past. So I'm assuming you're identifying things. How, how do you see 
innovative technology moving forward to help this you know is it is it a constant kind of forward path or is it based on sound principles that have always been there or yeah i think from a leader's perspective what we said earlier on leaders are focused on their business and what the business is going yeah. to yield in terms of profits and margins it's very seldom that you're looking down the road to see mm. well in five years time just be this type of technology that can help me to score a higher margin or to maintain my business no one would have thought five years ago would be where we are today like a year yeah. into into a global pandemic with global lockdowns so they need to understand their risk or they need to hire the right people to surround them, themselves with a leader themselves is usually very knowledgeable in particular area their area no ceo knows everything is what we've always said um mm-hmm. no CISO knows everything either you know yeah. a bit you know a lot about a bit or a bit about a lot i should say but you don't know specifics about certain areas so surround yourself with the right people mm-hmm. to understand yeah. what what they know and their risks um in terms of a ceo you're there to make money for the firm but in order to do so you need to have your cio cto cso cfo cro all supporting you with their distinct roles and responsibilities you may need to make sure the cso is a person who understands the risk with the cro the, the chief risk officer and they put a plan in place and then yeah. this, this the chief technology officer or information officer is managing an estate that can meet the requirements of the product but also the risk management perspective as well so everyone needs to work together but have with their own distinct responsibilities so in terms of technology the ceo doesn't need to worry about the fact there's a new technology needs to know that it works so the cso the cio need to work out or the cto need to work out well down the road if we're going to say implement a cloud solution with 5g for remote access how does it actually look how does that work and then trial it out with a trusted vendor or a trusted Mm -hmm. consultancy firm or whoever they trust to do it work out how that will impact your organization over the number of years what the cost benefit of that is but also then include your risk from your regulatory perspective as well as your client perspective and trust perspective if you're putting a new technology in and putting it bolting it onto a current solution it rarely works as intended there will be collateral damage or data leakage so you need to work out what exactly you're willing to accept as a risk and then communicate it up to you to to the board and say that's an acceptable risk for us work out how comfortably you are with new technology and then if you're going to go for it go for it but don't hesitate go and do it and then yeah. have your annual audits or annual checks whatever it might be to ensure that it's doing ex- as expected for example if you look at some of our clients at the moment they are high-tech companies and we always recommend with a governance model that you have a check and balance function on a monthly basis in there so the ceo knows exactly that if it, whilst the product is working the underlying platform is working as well as expected so there are no headaches and no unknowns coming around so you can't be hit by a regulatory investigation for example you know everything so, you, so you have um so you have good governance and what I, what I take from that there is is really it's important as a, as a leader to listen to the, your your team listen to your senior management team the CISO being the one but kind of works for CFO works for CIO works for anyone really to if you are the the, the main leader to really, you don't know everything about everything, but make sure you listen to advice and make sure you're acting it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I suppose the analogy be from, say, for last weekend's Grand Prix, um, mm. the team manager, like Christian Horner, he runs the Red Bull team. Yeah. But he doesn't He doesn't do the tire change. He doesn't work out the fuel flows. He doesn't work out yeah. the strategies. So he's different people, and that's their technical knowledge. But he pulls it all together, and he yeah. feels that I need Max Verstappen to have a lack time of 131. How do we achieve that? 
Yeah, yeah. He can't control that, can he? He can't control that. The track sweeps away. But he knows he needs strategy in order to make his driver win. So that's the product. But the underlying platform being the Pirelli tyres, the hard, soft compound, he's a strategist. That's his job to figure out from lap 0 to 10, we're in a hard compound from 11 to 15 we're in a soft and then the rest of the medium compound he works out that he works out the fuel flows based on the current tire technology the temperature and so on it's the same in any business the ceo is depends on the cso to tell him what the actual information security risk is he works yeah. with the cto to tell him what technology do we need to put into our cloud or to our server room and will it be fit for purpose do we need to to expand it do we need to put in a particular technology for um, import protection and then the cfo works out is the money coming in from the products that this platform is supporting to support the platform implementation? And then you have your normal, you have your different teams that work for these guys doing their specifics as well. So everyone has a role to play. It's the bigger picture. So for example, at a more local level, when we're on an engagement as an engagement lead, I don't know everything. My team know an awful lot more than me at times. And I rely heavily on those guys to give me the information I require. So when I'm talking to a client, I've gathered all this information. And I, I might be the focal point of the conversation, but my team behind me are the people who have the knowledge. Yeah, that's and right. As, yeah. As, as I gain more knowledge and they gain more knowledge, I can then maneuver them into position to speak more to the client and I can take a back seat and move on to a different client. And that's the way it should be in any business. And the same with security as well. Your CISO should be the person who's given information or a CIO. And they should be able to then have a one-to-one conversation with a CEO. That is, they're, they're confident and comfortable with the business they understand the business, what the margins are, and what the C- CEO wants in terms of information from them to a manner that they can filter the right information to the CEO when he needs it to make a quick decision. And that's the whole purpose of communication as a leader is to get the right information at the right time to make the right decision that'll have the right impact. Yeah, and lots of lots of tick boxes there. Hopefully you can do it more than more than often than not. And my last exactly. question really is, and we talked a little bit about kind of the building teams, but... And you've seen this probably yourself. You know, PwC is always hiring. How do you think this this affects the the talent landscape now? You know, um, going forward with the with the increased importance of security. You know, how, how do you think that affects how how we'll take on people, how we'll interview people, how we'll grade people? I suppose there's a number of aspects to that. The demand for people and security is going to increase. There's no doubt about that. Um, we're becoming heavily reliant on technology. We're going to become reliant on the likes of 5G as we are on, on electricity, for example, over the next number of years. So we need to ensure that we have that always available to us, five nines on everything to do with technology in the next number of years. So in terms of skill sets that people are going to have, we have a lot of people coming out of college nowadays with traditional engineering degrees, electronic degrees, and computer software degrees. I think they'll be more looking for more higher technology degrees in the, in the number of years like robotics for example robotic engineering or ai engineering or vr engineering there'll be more demand for those types of skills over the next number of years traditional roles will i think will f- fall away where we look for more high speed high technology roles so we need people who understand how to how to the platforms that support them so security will become i think the moment we call it cyber security i think it'll become more nuanced we yeah. have different platform technology security going forward so we might have say for 5g memo security for the way the 5g network is, is dimensioned as opposed to 
5G security. Um, in terms of robotic security in factories, we might have IoT and OT security becoming more prevalent because that will become more relevant in terms of automation of new tools and technologies and factories over the next five to 10 years. We're going to see even endpoint protection for mobile devices become much more prevalent as devices become more relevant in our daily lives as well and become much more dependent on endpoint devices as well. So security is going to become a more focal part, part sorry, of um, any business going forward. So demand for staff will be there. Fantastic. And I think the way we work at the moment, the likes of GCS and how they bring staff to, to firms like myself and to our attention, it means if you can identify staff quickly and they have the skills that you want, you can recruit quickly. It means it gives you a competitive advantage over mm. competitors, obviously, to say that we have staff that actually understand your needs. You don't necessarily yeah. need to train them up fully, but we have an, they have a very good idea of what's required. And once you have a very good idea, you can build on that as a basis. So it goes back to that kind of using talent as a strategy to build them for the future. So brilliant. Exactly. Well, Neil, it's been great to speak to you today. Um, really, really interesting. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, obviously, if you've been listening to this and you're interested in finding out more about what PwC can do for you in terms of security, because it definitely sounds like uh, please reach out to, to Neil directly. Um, and um, it's definitely something that will become increasingly more important as it has over the last 25 years or whatever in, in our industry. I can only see it becoming more important. So thank you very much for your time today, Neil, and have a, have a great Easter. Thanks very much, David. Thanks for having me on. Have a lovely Easter too. Fantastic. Thank you.